On today's episode of the Traffic Club of Chicago podcast, we have Martin Liu, CEO of Comtrax, and he's going to explain a little bit about Comtrax, what they do, maybe the future of the industry, um, and how they're disrupting the industry on the uh, rail car leasing, storage, um, and transload side of the business. So Martin, thank you for being on this episode today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate you having me. No problem. Uh, maybe first you could just tell us a little bit about Comtrax, um, what you all do, uh, maybe even why you decided to start the company. Absolutely. We'd love, we'd love to do that. And uh, first, I, I'd like to think that we are enabling, uh, not disrupting the industry. We are doing our best to hopefully uh, bring a lot of value to uh, both the supply and the demand side of the business. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think what we're doing is, is something that's really going to not only improve the, uh, the, the quality of, of, of shipping by rail, but also uh, hopefully be able to build more market share for, for rail um, with respect to gathering, you know, g gathering new shippers uh, from the trucking market and other modes of transportation. Um, with that said, I will, I will give you a background on myself and then how I came up with the idea for Comtrix and, and what we're doing. Um, mm -hmm. So I started a business in 2015. We launched the platform in Q117. Uh, my background is I was a former uh, commodities uh, trader for J.P. Morgan and Bear Stearns. Uh, the product that I traded um, was coal and emissions. So uh, on the trading desk, my job uh, was an originator. So my job would be to go out and structure uh, financing deals um, for coal mines and other uh, folks within the coal industry that needed financing using our balance sheet at Bear Sands and J.P. Morgan. And mm -hmm. uh, as a part of that, we had to uh, first find the coal that we were going to buy and then also find where the coal was going to go to. So we were selling to generators in the U.S. or selling to generators abroad. So uh, as a part of that, I would also have to lock in all the different sort of components of the supply chain move. So whether you're talking about an origin in Central Appalachia in Charleston, West Virginia, or talking about Illinois Basin or Powder River Basin in Wyoming, um, we'd have to put it on rail, uh, then midstream it onto a barge, and then either terminal it or midstream it onto ocean vessel, and then sell it to the most expensive um, sort of uh, downstream counterparty we could find. Um, and as part of that particular sort of uh, supply chain move, the, the, the component or piece that always seemed to be the most um, onerous and time-consuming was the rail piece. Um, the ocean-going vessel piece is very transparent, and there are hedging uh, mechanisms in place to hedge that piece. Trucking, you can pick the phone up, and you can book trucking uh, on one phone call. But rail was always difficult, and it was always the most time-consuming part. Um, and so the idea that I had when I was starting this concept of contracts was to create a digital platform that brought together both the supply uh, side and the demand side of the business into one digital platform so that if you're a shipper, you can log into a system and be able to see all the available cars for lease, cars for sale. You can see storage locations across the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, and you can also see all the transit facilities, but not also just see, but you can also identify and then connect with them all in one system while also being provided analytics and data and information to help you make a more informed decision for the transactions that you're conducting. Um, most of the um, resources and, and funding and time that's been spent in technology and rail has been focused on the mid and back office uh, operational components of, of rail. And there hasn't been a lot of uh, focus on the front office solutions, really. How do you help with logistics, uh, execution of leasing agreements, with storage agreements, with transloading agreements, um, with identifying rail repair shops or rail cleaning shops? And so the real idea for Comtrix was to create an ecosystem where you get the supply and demand side together and really help them be able to uh, not only execute transactions faster, but make more informed decisions and also be able to connect 
which for me was always the most difficult part of the process was finding and identifying the right people at specific companies and getting them just to call me back. Um, this is a very relationship-driven business, and I never think that will change. I think it will always be a very important component of the industry. But um, with the generational shift that's happening, that was a, a big part of my investment thesis with 10,000 baby boomers retiring every day. And 50% of the global workforce being millennials today, and then 75% of the workforce will be millennials in 2025. Um, the next generation of railroaders uh, are going to be much more digitally driven, digitally driven because they're digital natives than previous generations. So I, I knew that if we can create a platform that really helped the industry, um, that it would it, it would be very valuable. No, that that's definitely great. I, I guess one of the first things that jumps out at me, <clears throat> excuse me, as yeah, I know the younger generation, uh, they're very savvy in tech and all of that um, and, and willing to change and look at things. But um, regarding the contract system, how about those, the, the veterans, the industry veterans who may, might not necessarily like the technology uh, or the change of the industry? I understand that it continues on and builds on the relationship value, but have you seen any, any issues getting new members who are more veteran? Yes, absolutely. That was always a big issue when we were starting the platform. And just like with any new business in any industry, uh, people are always very uh, skeptical and weary about new businesses coming in and uh, trying to change the way behavior uh, is managed. Um, and this industry is no different. I'd, I'd argue that this industry may have a, a little bit more of a, of a legacy component to it just because it's an industry that's been around for over 180 years. And mm -hmm. You know, people are very content with how it's been operated. The mode of operations has worked fine. It's been very efficient. Um, but what people are realizing, and this isn't just people in this industry, but it's people in supply chain and transportation overall, is that um, in order for uh, the companies, the producers or consumers of these commodities or these products to be more cost effective, they need to be more efficient with how they manage the entire operations of their business. And an important piece that they actually can manage and really make an impact on that is the supply chain piece. And as a major part of that supply chain or that delivered cost is the rail component to that. So uh, initially, you know, people said uh, when we were starting the platform, you know, I don't ever see a day when someone's executing a leasing transaction or storage transaction or translating transaction online that's all done mm -hmm. over the phone. But that's the same comments that were made about, you know, people listening or streaming music or searching for, for things on the phone or never booking travel online. You know, I call my travel agent all the time. I would never book my rental car or my hotel or my flight on. I would never jump in a car with a stranger that I don't know and have him take me <laughs> or my somewhere. I mean, that, that's the same argument that's been made in almost every industry that's being disrupted or nailed by technology. And yeah. what happens and what we've seen happen is, you know, uh, particularly with the 15, 20 year plus industry veterans, is they may have that point of view coming into using the exchange, but once they use the exchange and they see it's just as easy for them to use this as it is for them to book a hotel on Expedia or for them to be able to log into their Chase checking account and be able to look up their savings account and be able to you know, request information. Um, you know, the, the basic things that they do in everyday life that they thought that they would never ever not write a check and you know, at the supermarket and you know, they would go into a system and use an ATEM card. Once they do it and they realize that they can come into the system, put a storage request up, uh, an algorithm runs, and then, you know, proposals for their storage needs come back within 24 hours, and they don't have to pick the phone up and they can negotiate over the system. And, you know, within 48 hours, they can have 10 proposals and have a transaction done. 
Then they say to me, this is the easiest thing. I've never executed transactions so fast and so easy. And this was very transparent because I have 10 offers and with 80% of people that I've never met before. So it, it's a matter of just getting over the hump of, you know, just try something new. And then once they try it, then they realize that this is something that really is, you know, I, I think a, a, a minimum a, a 5x improvement to before. But the real goal mm -hmm. is to get to an 8 to 10x improvement to where how things are done before. Sure. Sure. No, that makes total sense to me. Um, and appreciate the examples too, because yeah, I mean, with technology, you're always a little bit skeptical maybe at first, and then you find all the value down the road. Um, what are what are some of the questions that you get asked? I guess uh, from those that are maybe hesitant or new members to your platform. Um, first question is: Is there a cost to using your platform? Does it cost you any money? And, and the answer is no. This is a free platform. Uh, for both the supply and demand side. The way we monetize this currently is through transaction fees for our stores, leasing and buy-sell marketplace. Um, and then we provide a, a chance for service providers to advertise in the rural services directory. So what we did is we took, um, you know, we have over 2,600 service providers across the U.S. and Canada on our system. And what we thought to ourselves is, look at what Amazon did for the uh, retail industry and how they gave a storefront to every small, mid-sized and large business owner. They gave a web presence through their ecosystem. So we wanted to do the same thing. We wanted to give a web presence to every service provider. So if you're a rail car maintenance shop sitting in the middle of Andalusia, Alabama, or you're a rail car cleaning service sitting uh, in, in the middle of the Bakken, but you don't have exposure to shippers or you don't have exposure to lessors, um, we said, let's give everyone a storefront so that if somebody was searching through our services directly, they could easily and quickly find it. So that's the first question is, is there a cost? And no, there's only a cost if you advertise or if you're a, a supply side member, so a storage provider or lessor, there, there is a small transaction fee. But it's 100% performance based. So, you know, no cost to list, no cost to do anything. And for shippers, it's completely free. The yeah. other question I get is, um, are, are there, how many people are in the exchange or are, are there enough people on the demand side or supply side to really be worth my time? And uh, of course, when you're starting a marketplace, which is one of the hardest business models and technologies to create because you really either have a two-sided or three-sided marketplace and you have customers for, that you have to meet on both the, the sides of the market. So, you know, most businesses, you have one customer that you focus on uh, in a marketplace, you have two customers. In some cases, in a three-sided marketplace, you have three customers. So for us, as we built a platform, the only way this platform works is if we build the supply and the demand side equally. So if you look at our, our, our base of users, 60% of our membership base is demand side. There are shippers and 40% is supply side. So we started focusing our time and energy on making sure that all the shippers came in the system because they drove the demand. If we didn't have the demand side, we would never get short lines, class ones, lessors, um, rail car cleaning companies, transloaders, they would never use our system because there's no demand side. But conversely, if we didn't have supply side on, the demand side would come in and if they, you know, pinged a storage location and they didn't get a response back or if they pinged a transloader and they get a response back, then the demand side would never come back. So we, we, we made a, a real concerted effort to try to get both of them on sort of simultaneously. And what we've been able to do is we've been able to get you know, effectively 75% of all shorelines. We have all seven class ones. We have 50% of all leasing companies on the exchange. And then we have, uh, call it, you know, the largest database of transloaders across the U.S. and Canada with over 1,400 transloaders in our, in our system. So what this, 
what, what the system organically did was because there was value that was being brought to both sides of the market, um, the supply and demand side grew simultaneously and grew in proportion to each other. So that's the second part is, is there enough product on the shelf uh, to be able to make it worth my time to go in? And then from the supply side, is there enough demand side um, activity for me to advertise with you or for me to put my inventory on and be able to garner some demand from shippers to use my product? So that'd be the second thing. And the, the third uh, component was, um, is this a very, is this a difficult system to use? I have three or four different software systems that I use at my current job to manage my fleet or to manage my, you know, my, uh, my, my internal accounts uh, receivable or to manage uh, different components of their business, my CRM. Uh, I don't really want to learn the system. It's just hard to use. And, you know, what we've found is, you know, once people use the system, uh, you know, we have probably five to 10% of our members ever sort of inquire with any technical or customer support questions. Um, so, yeah, so I think we've, you know, over the past sort of five years of, of developing this product, we've been able to really hone in the, uh, the intuitiveness and ease of use for the product. So th those are the three basic questions I probably get the most. Oh yeah, appreciate that. I, I actually just uh, logged on recently and found it to be very, very easy. And even the onboarding process, very simple, very easy. Um, you. you know, and, and uh, <laughs> no problem. As I was researching contracts, right away it jumps out at me, the leasing side, the storage side, the transloading side, all these opportunities for the marketplace. But the one piece that I also saw, which this took a little deeper dive, was the information piece that you all provide, uh, whether that's analytics, transparency, uh, whichever. But one example I read about was regarding the time during Hurricane Harvey and the issues that ensued, but how also maybe you guys had leading indicators towards the issues and also how you provided um, help to some of your members in terms of the information piece. So maybe you could go into that a little bit for me, please. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so being based here in Houston, um, you know, I actually lived through Harvey and, and experienced it firsthand. Uh, and so did my, my colleagues uh, that, that we work with and obviously all of our family and friends. So uh, that was an actual real life experience of, of how our system sort of was a leading indicator of something to come. Um, so what we noticed about three weeks before Harvey hit was an uh, increase by about four or five X in search activity in our system with storage uh, throughout the Gulf and the Midwest. We saw a lot of our petrochemical and uh, crude uh, and other oil and gas shippers looking to move cars uh, out of the Gulf region, out of the, the Houston region in particular, and move it either north or, or move it just you know uh, east uh, or, or west away from the Gulf region sort of out of harm's way. Um, at, at that time, the news here in Houston, or even the national news for that matter, was not picking up on the magnitude that Harvey was going to have as far as the impact to uh, the Gulf region or the impact to, to Houston. So we just chalked it up to, okay, this is great activity that's happening. You know, maybe there's you know something going on within the industry which is having people want to look for this. But as we got closer to uh, the actual hurricane hitting, so call it, you know, seven, 10, 14 days out when the news started really sort of trickling out about the, the real sort of impact that this hurricane was going to have. Then we started piecing together and our data scientists started really highlighting this on a daily basis. Look at it, all this traffic that's occurring. There's something that's happening. There's a reason why, you know, all these shippers are looking to move stores outside of the Gulf region. And this was particularly interesting because this was really the first instance for us of how our system and how this ecosystem of what we built can really be a, a leading indicator 
for, for trends and for activity that's happening, not only on a micro level, but also on a macro level uh, across the economy. And if you think about these commodity producers and consumers that were looking for storage, they mostly have, most of these uh, companies have meteorologists that sit on the desk with them. Meteorologists that are shooting out uh, either daily or intraday uh, news uh, events to them. And if you're a logistics provider within those companies, um, you're probably alerted three weeks, four months, uh, out, uh, four weeks out, on uh, any particular weather occurrence that potentially could impact their production or the consumption of the particular commodity. So uh, the fact that this was happening and we can trace back the analytics on how much activity we had and how it was building up sort of over time and how it really sort of uh, peaked, call it two weeks, you know, even two weeks in before Harvey hit, was to us the real sort of light bulb moment to, to, to how our system is something that really could be of value for multiple reasons to both the supply and demand side. So, you know, how do we take that information and how do we utilize that information? Uh, we really started talking to the shippers that were looking for storage and started, you know, two weeks out saying, how can we help you? What can we do to help you find storage? And that's when we started getting the actual anecdotal information as to we realized that a hurricane's coming. We're not sure if it's going to be a Category 3 or a Category 4, but we realized, based upon our meteorologists, based upon our, our weather planning group, that this is going to have a significant impact, and we're trying to get ahead of that now. So um, that was a perfect example of, you know, if you can get the industry, the, the, the supply and the demand side, the, the shippers and all the service providers into one place, and you can get them looking and, and, and transacting and searching, it's no different than why Netflix is different than HBO or any other movie production house. Because when Netflix chooses to develop content or build a, uh, build a, a component to their system, they are doing that based upon data-driven decisions because they know what all their users are searching for. They know what they're saving as their favorites. They know how long people are watching movies. We're doing the same thing, and we're taking all that data information to be able to create a more valuable user experience. So that we can inform our shippers, we can inform the short lines and the class ones, the transloaders, the lessors. We can inform all of them on potentially how to have more insights into what's happening before it happens, and then also post facto, you know, provide them with insights on what has happened and maybe why it happened, and provide them, you know, with with, with that type of data and activity. So analytics is is really the core of our business, and it's something that we think separates us apart from any other company uh, in this space because we have so much activity from both the supply and demand side. But, but thank you for hiding that because that is, that is a great example of how, uh, uh, of how our system was a leading indicator for something that ended up being you know, probably one of the, the most impactful or material events, uh, weather events you know, in the history of the U.S. Yeah, I mean, once again, it just makes, it brings to light the insights that you guys provide not only just for the rail shipper or the asset owner it's everybody that touches every participant that touches the uh the industry um last question i wanted to ask you just about what's next for contracts what do you guys see in your future uh so right now we are in the process of launching a transloading marketplace so as of today we have a storage marketplace a leasing marketplace a, a, a buy sell marketplace we have a rail services directory and then we have a data module and then next, the next marketplace we're launching is a transloading marketplace. So this upcoming year, the real focus is really building out the transloading um, component of our business. And we have uh, a few class of partners and growing and adding more. We currently have the CSX, the CP, and the BNSF as our strategic partners and adding more class of partners. We're partnering with some of the larger shoreline railroads 
Uh, we're getting a, a large amount of interest from the, um, the, the supply side, the transit community, to be able to really help bring together uh, what has traditionally been a very fragmented um, uh, part of the transportation space. And the demand side, we're seeing a tremendous amount of activity uh, for searching for transloading in our system. So that has been really a, one of the major indicators as to why we need to focus on transloading. And you know, if you think about market share for rail and how market share can grow for the railroads, uh, whether you're a short line or you're a class on the railroad, it's really trying to figure out how do you make shipping much easier? How do you make it more customer friendly so that if you're, you know, your, your freight spend is 100% trucking or 100% you know, or split between trucking and, and barging or trucking and ocean going freight, uh, how do you sort of make rail a bigger part of your spend? Because rail is the cheapest per ton mile uh, uh, across North America. So, you know, I think a lot of that is really creating a more customer-friendly experience and also creating a more timely experience as well. And that's a large part of why PSR is being implemented across the different class ones. So, transloading is a major, major focus for us. Um, and then uh, the other component that we're focused on in the near term is uh, data and content. Um, so, the, the other component to our business we call it a rail insights. We have this component to our business where we have a, a pricing index for storage. We have um, a top 10 category, so the, who are the top 10 service providers being viewed the most. We have a Google Trends so, uh, type category for, for, for the rail industry. We call it Comtrex Rail Trends. And then we just launched the Knowledge and Resource Center. And the Knowledge and Learning and Resource Center is really what we're trying to do for the rail industry is create a, a repository of information. So if the next generation of railroad shippers or even those within companies or industries that are learning about rail or want to touch rail or be exposed to rail, for them to have a place to come learn about the rail industry. So we've created a, a storage 101, we've created a transit 101, a leasing 101. We're creating all these 101 basic lessons to be able to teach the industry about all these basic components. Because how many people uh, do you know really understand the nuts and bolts of these different components of rail? But it's important to them. So if you're an IT department or accounts receivable or credit group and you're supporting your logistics group, you know you want to know more nuts and bolts about the business. So there has to be a place for that. And as also a component of this, this is where we're featuring content from Tony Hatch. We're, we're creating a concept called Ask the Experts, where we take shippers and allow them to ask questions to experts within our community. And we allow for them to, 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 to come together and have one area where that community can get together and be able to exchange information so that when the, uh, the, the generation of railroaders that have been doing this for 25, 30 years and have all this seasoned experience and knowledge, when they retire and the next generation comes in, there needs to be one central repository for all this information to be housed, and we're trying to do that. And, and, and one of the pieces that we're working on right now is asking the industry veterans you know, if you could leave one piece of advice or one piece of wisdom to the next generation of rail shippers, what would that be? And this is something we're rolling at next because what we'd like to do is be able to have one place. So if you're new to your job in, in shipping rail or if you've never shipped by rail, you've only shipped by truck, you can come here and you can see all the different pieces of advice and words of wisdom that have been left behind. Because at the end of the day, you know, we don't look at this as just an exchange. We look at this as an ecosystem and a community where we're trying to build a place that the rail industry can live and work and really understand and learn and be educated on what's happening in the industry. You know, it initially started out as a marketplace, but it's evolving into becoming much more than a marketplace. It's really evolving into becoming an exchange and a community for both the supply and demand side to get together and be able to connect uh, and be able to learn and inform each other. 
so that this can really be a much more, um, I would just say, much more effective and efficient mode of transportation uh, for all freight moving across North America. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, yeah, that's all the time we had for today, Martin, but thank you for so much for explaining your company and what you guys are doing for the industry. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how you guys drive the future of the industry as well. So appreciate you being on today. Thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it and, and, and great questions. Thanks.